Glory to God. All right. Well, if you have your Bible, saints, open it up very quickly to the book of Luke, the 18th chapter. Luke and chapter number 18. I'm going to begin reading at verse number 9. Verse number 9. Amen. This is where I'm going to start. This is not necessarily where I'm going to finish. Amen. But this is where I'm going to start. Normally, I read my scripture first. And then I give you my title, amen? But since my title is not just based on this particular scripture, but a couple of other scriptures that I'm going to give you after, I'm going to give you my title in advance. I'm going to give you today's subject in advance. And it's real simple. My subject matter for today is simply this. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. And, and I had to put the word oh in there, like the song, because it just gives emphasis to the love of God, Amen. Anybody grateful for the love of God? Anybody thankful for the love of God? Uh, that love is so amazing. Does God's love still amaze you? Does God still, because does God's love still amaze somebody in this place? Hallelujah. Is God's love still blowing you away? Is God's love still messing you up? Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but it still messes me up. Hallelujah. I like the psalmist. When I think about the goodness of the Lord and all that he's done for me, my soul, my soul, my soul cries out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm so grateful, church. I'm so grateful. Amen. But at the same time, before I read the text today, I'm a little concerned, not fearful, just concerned, that though many of us have experienced the love of God, we have yet to grasp the fullness and the power of God's love that we may have experienced it but not but have not fully understood it and you could have it you could be walking in it but it's very hard to give it if you have not understood it are you hearing what I'm saying in here hallelujah Luke 18 chapter 9 I mean chapter Luke 18 verse 9 and I read today in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. And the word of the Lord says it so. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Now I got to read that again because I want you to catch this because he's addressing a certain kind of people. He's being real clear here. He wants to let us know exactly who it is that he is speaking to. And he says, watch this. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. They thought they had it all together and they looked down at other people as to say, I am better than you. And Jesus said, that's who I'm talking to. Next verse. Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee and the other a publican, publican meaning a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee. Now, can I help you? This is not a very good Thanksgiving prayer, even though it starts with I thank thee. Let me just throw that disclaimer out there. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. <laughs> Extortioners unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. Yikes. I fast twice in the week. 
I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breath, saying, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer real quick. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray that you add blessing to your word now. Minister to your people in a mighty way. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen and amen. How many of you in this place are familiar with the scripture that says that his ways are not our ways? And his thoughts are not our thoughts. So understand right away that part of the journey of walking with God is to become more and more like God. And as you become more like God, what that means is that you are now gaining what I would refer to as a God's perspective or a God's eye view on life or a God's eye view on things. Are you in this place? But some of us have a perspective uh, and a viewpoint, watch this, and attempt to make God into our image rather than letting God make us into his image. And, and what, I'm, what I mean by that is that sometimes we assume that God sees something the way we see it. We automatically assume that the way I see it is the way God sees it. Oh, God. And, and here's the thing. We have to come to grips with the reality that his ways are not my ways, nor his thoughts my thoughts. So I cannot be quick to automatically assume that God feels about a thing the same way I feel about it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Go ahead and react or respond based on how I think he sees it because this is how I see it. Are you in this place? Hallelujah, Jesus. And if we're not careful, we'll, we'll make the same mistake that many in the Bible have made. If you were here on Wednesday, we talked about a man named Moses. Let me just give it to you very quickly just in case you were not here. God tells Moses, watch this, to give the people water out of a rock. He gives them specific instructions. He says, hit the rock. I mean, he says, speak to the rock. I'm sorry. On a previous occasion, he said, hit the rock. This time he says, speak to the rock. But Moses is frustrated. Have you ever been there? God help us in here today. Have you ever been frustrated? So watch this, he's frustrated, and when you're really frustrated, you sometimes do not hear God correctly. 
And so watch this. Rather than speaking to the rock like God told him to, he went over and spoke to the people. In other words, he thought to himself, I'll get to the rock, but I'm going to let them have it first. Because Moses is having a hard time accepting the fact that God wants to bless somebody he's mad at. So what do you do when God wants to bless somebody you are mad at? Now you're hearing this preacher. And so God says, speak to the rock and give them water. And Moses says, I'll get to the rock. But I'm going to talk to them first. And I'm going to let them have it. Because he's having a hard time understanding how people who don't deserve God's blessing is going to get it anyway. And Moses is saying, these people are rebels. If you go to that text in Numbers chapter 20 and verse 8, he called them rebels. He said, these people are rebellious. They, all they do is murmur and complain. And you want to refresh them? You want to give them water? They don't deserve it. So before I get to the rock, I'm going to let them know. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Let them know you, you're rebellious. <clears throat> and then he hit the rock. God told him to speak to it. He hit it. Not once, twice. Because probably after he hit it the first time, nothing happened. Because God didn't tell him to hit it. But look how good God is. He hit it the second time and God made the water flow. He could have easily not let the water flow and embarrassed the man he chose. But he didn't do that. He wouldn't do that. Oh, God. You got to look at the kind of God that you serve. Amen. But to make, to make a long story short... Moses made the mistake to automatically assume that the way he saw it was the way God saw it. And he saw that they don't deserve it. And God said, I know, but I'm going to give it to them anyway. That's grace, by the way. And somebody ought to be grateful. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In other words, watch this. You speak to the rock and you give the people to drink. Do not release your frustrations out on the people. When I told you to refresh the people. And oftentimes, people who lack a prayer life lash out on those that are the closest to them, who they are responsible for and are supposed to love. Because if you would have been talking to the rock... First, you would have gave the people water. The rock is Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And if you spend time with the rock, hallelujah, the rock, the solution is in the rock. He thought, I, I, I need to fix these people. And all he did was expand the problem. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. And Moses made the mistake to assume that God saw it the way he saw it. There's a man named Jonah who God said, go to Nineveh and tell the people at Nineveh, they got about 40 days. I'm giving them a grace period. Get it together. And if you don't get it together in about 40 days, there's consequences that you will face. And Jonah said, 40 days? <laughs> Jonah said, they need to get it now. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? 
what we do sometimes, it's almost as though we forget the grace that we were given. We got it. We're walking in it, but we're having a hard time giving it because we haven't fully understood it. Are you with me so far? So Jonah is looking at the way they're behaving and says, they need it now. And God says, no, go over there because I want to give them an opportunity to get it together. And Jonah said, no, I'm not. And he goes in the opposite direction. You know the rest of that story. God chases the man down. And eventually Jonah does what God called him to do. But that don't mean he liked it. He went over there and said, God's being gracious to you. and He's giving you 40 days to get it together. But deep down inside, he's hoping they don't. Isn't that amazing? You read that story carefully. You'll see that deep down inside, he don't want them to repent. He wants them to get it. <laughs> and he wants God to see it like he sees it. But God's ways are not our ways. Come on, somebody. Nor his thoughts, our thoughts. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. Even in a presidential election, some of us view one candidate and say, we think that God wants this one to be the one. And some of us will view another candidate and say, we think that God wants this one to be the one. And, and we want God to see it. God, help me in here. The way we see it. And we want God, watch this, to take our side. But let me help you understand something in here. The God that you serve does not take sides. In other words, he don't get on your side. You have to get on his side. <laughs> I said he don't get on your side. You have to get on his side. I love the way Moses put it. Who is on the Lord's side? I love the way Joshua put it. On a particular day, watch this, when he takes over uh, Moses' position as the leader of Israel, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he is confronted by an angel. Not just an angel, but one that the Bible describes as being fierce. Fierce. Eyes of fire. Huge, white, dressed in battle array, and with a huge sword. Not that picture you got in the living room of two little angels leaning towards each other with cute little kid faces. That's not the angels that the Bible describes in the Bible. Listen, <laughs> Joshua is a, a fighter. He's tough. He ain't scared. But when he sees this angel, he grabs his sword. And he says this to the angel. Are you for me <laughs> or against me? And deep down inside, he's thinking to himself, please say you on my side. Because I don't know about you, but that's what I would be saying after I saw that thing. But the angel answered him and said, neither. Ooh, listen to the question. Are you on my side or are you on their side? And the angel said, neither. I am the captain of the army of the host of God. And I don't take sides. Joshua, you need to get on the Lord's side. God, help me in this place. Are you blessed, church? To assume that you could think on God's level is absurd. 
Are you hearing what his thoughts? Listen, even on your best day, I don't care if, I don't care how spiritually grown you claim to be, you still see through a glass darkly, according to the Bible. You still only know in part. You will not know as you have been known, according to the Bible, until you stand before him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, God help me in here. So never assume that you know exactly, God help me in here. Hmm. My life is hid with Christ. That's what the Bible says. My life is hid with Christ. Therefore, watch this. So is my opinion. And how I feel about a thing. I lay them down. Watch this. In him so that his can emerge through me. So that when I open my mouth to speak, I speak the words and the thoughts of almighty God. And not just my own and how I feel and how I think God feels about it. Because he should feel about it the way I feel about it. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. We begin talking about this story here and it's talking about two men. It's talking about a Pharisee and it's talking about a publican. Amen? Now, watch this. A Pharisee. Let me just say something about Pharisees because, you know, a Pharisee in the Bible gets a negative connotation. Uh, a Pharisee in the Bible is known as somebody who is very religious. Somebody who is self-righteous. Uh, the text we read describes them. They, 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 they trust in themselves and they put others down. That is a Pharisee. But can I just, can I just help you for a minute? Uh, they didn't start out bad. You, you become pharmaceutical, uh, but you don't necessarily start out that way. You don't start out bad. What happened with them, listen, they started out with trying to do everything right. If you think about the, 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 the religious people, uh, the scribes and the Pharisees uh, and the Sadducees, they were working really hard to try to do Everything right. The only problem with that was that they began to trust in their own ability. And in doing so, they became self-righteous. Are you in this place, church? Hallelujah. And then you have the publican. Now, let me tell you, the publican I mentioned a moment ago is a tax collector. Amen. The Romans in that day would hire tax collectors that were Jews. Watch this. So that they could exact taxes from their own people. And if you know what the Bible says about these tax collectors, uh, most of them were corrupt. They were corrupt and they would exact heavy taxes or more than what they were supposed to. On the people and they were skimming off the top and getting rich. In the process. Woo. So watch this. So you have the Pharisee. And then you have the publican. Which nobody really likes. And Jesus said. Both of them are in the temple. And both of them are praying. Now. Jesus is telling the story. And you have to understand. He's already messing with the Pharisees. Because he knows that to them. The tax collector has no business being there. To them, the tax collector does not deserve to be there. 
wonder if there are people, even in the house of God, because this man was in the temple, that believe that there are certain people in the house of God that don't deserve the grace that they are getting. God have mercy in here. Are you following what I'm saying? Because you know a little something about somebody. Or you heard a little something about somebody. And so you, watch this, make the mistake like this Pharisee to compare yourself to other people even in the house of the Lord. And, and, and then watch this, make yourself look good by making others look bad. So I don't know why she up there singing. I, I know a little something. She don't deserve to be up there. I don't know why the pastor let him lead that ministry. Because I know he just happens to be struggling with something. So maybe the pastor don't know. Make no mistake. <laughs> just because I embrace somebody does not mean that I condone their lifestyle. It just means I have understood the love of God. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. Hallelujah. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. Watch this. Hallelujah. Hmm. Listen to the Pharisees' prayer. Listen to the Pharisees' prayer. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. I pray that you don't pray like that. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. You know what he's saying? God, I thank you that you made me better than some other people. And then, and then watch this. This guy, not only is he talking about people, he's talking about a person who's in the church with him. God, I thank you that you didn't make me like this guy three rows back on the seventh chair. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, so he tells God how bad this guy is, and then he starts talking to God about how good he is. Watch this, watch this. I fast twice a week like God didn't know. I pay tithes of everything I have. Like God didn't know. I don't steal, God. I don't cheat. I ain't committing adultery. I ain't doing none of those things. I'm doing all these good things. Like God didn't know. I get nervous. I don't know about you, but I get nervous around people who feel the need to tell me how good they are. I get nervous around people who start to talk to me about how righteous they are. I always get nervous and put up a red flag when people start talking to me about their spiritual resume. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But I'm going to submit something to you. I will get even more nervous when they start telling God. Like this guy is telling God how good he is. That was his prayer. Now, listen to the publican's prayer. The publican, this is the guy that a lot of people didn't like because he was extorting uh, extra money from the people. He was cheating them, and he was stealing from them. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? He knows, watch this, that he is messing up. And he knows that God knows that he don't have it all together. And yet when he prays, he can't even look up. Did you read the text? He can't even look up because he recognizes that he doesn't have a platform upon which to approach God. Because he hasn't been doing those things that the other guy has been doing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But he says, watch this, he looks down and he beats his chest and says, God, be merciful to me. I'm struggling. I don't got it all together. I know I'm messing up and I know you know it. But have mercy on me. And do you know what the rest of the scripture says? The rest of it says that the Lord said, that man will leave the house justified that day. And he's doing this whole illustration to a certain group so they could see how God loves. Are you in this place? Oh, God, hallelujah. It's a little quiet in here. We're going to be all right. Hallelujah. Watch this. The man who recognizes sinful or sinfulness will leave justified. Let me ask you a question. Have you understood the love of God? Have you understood the love of God? The man who watched this knew that it is mercy or it is nothing. It is mercy or it is nothing. There's no way I'm going to make it to heaven on my own, on my own strength, of my own power, because I'm good enough. The Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If one person could get to heaven by themselves, Jesus coming is in vain. The reason Jesus come is because nobody, nobody's going to be able to take credit. Nobody's going to get glory for what God has already done. Are you in this place, church? Hallelujah. Hmm. Watch this. The Pharisee is pointing someone else out in the church and reminding God how good he is. That person will not leave justified. Even though he's trusting in himself. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you read your Bible carefully, the book of Romans will teach you that you are not justified by the law. You are not justified, hallelujah, by how good you are. You are justified by how good he is. You are justified by faith in Christ. Are you blessed in here? You guys are just missing good places to praise on today. Amen. I'm going to blame it on the food. It's all right. Can I show you some more real quickly? Let's go to Luke 19 and verse number 1. Luke 19 and verse number 1. I told you I was going to start with this story, but I wasn't going to finish with this story. I want to give you two more real quick. If you're doing all right, shout glory. Luke 19 and verse number 1. Watch this. I'm going to read quickly, guys. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was a chief among the publicans. I just feel like... Picking on the tax collectors today, is that all right? And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And we know how he got rich, right? 
Hallelujah. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press because he was little of stature. In other words, this was a short man. He was short in that he could not see over the crowd, wanted to see Jesus, who he was, but he could not because of the crowd. Amen? And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. He had to lose his pride to do that. I'm going to tell you that right now. Watch this. For he was to pass that way. He said, Jesus is coming this way. I got to get his attention, so I'm going to climb this tree. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste. In other words, hurry up. Come down, for today I must abide at thy house. He got Jesus' attention. Jesus saw him, said, I'm coming to your house today. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. He was excited. And when they saw it, now let me just make sure I let you know who they are. They are the Pharisees. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Wow, what a change. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, I don't know if you've been listening to me so far, but by now you should already have started to identify yourself with a certain group. Hopefully, it is the group that doesn't deserve it. I'd like three amens. Hallelujah. Watch this. Somehow, being loved by Jesus causes a change, watch this now, that the Pharisees could not make happen by pushing him. Some, oh God. Somehow, being loved by Jesus caused a change in this individual that the Pharisees or the religious people could not make happen by pushing him. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? Oh, God. Can I give it to you the way I feel it? Put my first point up there real quickly. Don't get nervous. I only got three. Watch this. You haven't loved like Jesus until you have first earned the anger of the Pharisees. I got one hand clap. Let me say it one more time. Maybe I'll get a second one. You have not loved like Jesus until you have first gained the anger of the Pharisees. Praise the Lord for the overflow over there. Hallelujah, Jesus. Listen to me, church. Listen to me, church. They got upset when Jesus went home with this person that they viewed as a sinner. And they said, I can't believe that he's going home with them. If he knew, and of course he does know, what kind of man this man was, he would not go to his house. But there was something about being with Jesus for a little while that caused a change. In this individual, watch this, that the Pharisees could not make happen when they pushed him. 
did you change because somebody pushed you or did you change because somebody loved you? Let me ask you that question in this place, hallelujah. Because somebody might be able to push you to do the right thing, hallelujah. But as long as you have to do it on your own strength, it will never last. You will always resort back, hallelujah, because you are not strong enough to change like that. Nor do we have the power to change anybody. As much as I would like to see somebody change, I cannot make them change and I cannot push them to change. In order for somebody to really change, their heart needs to be transformed. And there's only one person I know who has enough love to release that will change the most hard heart. Does anybody know who I'm talking about in here? Watch this. Zacchaeus knew he was a thief. Zacchaeus knew he was a thief. And Zacchaeus knew that Jesus knew. And he also knew that the Pharisees knew. And he knew what the Pharisees stood for. He knew that they were the elect of God. He knew that they were supposed to stand for righteousness. But something about their persona, something about the way they carried themselves, something about the way that they treated people did not do anything to make Zacchaeus change. I'm sure they tried telling Zacchaeus that he was a thief. I'm sure they tried telling Zacchaeus, you need to change. You need to repent or you're going to go to hell. What you're doing is wrong and you know it and you better change it because God is watching you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But that didn't change him. Sometimes we spend too much time telling people what they already know. I already know I'm messed up. That's why I came to church in the first place. I don't need you to keep rehearsing over me how messed up I am. I know I'm messed up. I know I'm a thief. The Bible didn't say he wanted to see who they were. The Bible says he wanted to see who Jesus was. Everybody's on their way to God, but then they run into some of us. And nobody's afraid of Jesus. They're just afraid of some of us. One visit from Jesus over dinner, after a time of fellowship, listen to what happens. Oh, God, have mercy in here. The man gets up. On his own volition and says watch this half of my property I give it to the poor this is a greedy man who has gotten rich off taxing extra on people one encounter with Jesus and he's given half of it away you don't hear me and then he says watch this and if I have cheated any man I'm gonna return it unto them fourfold now you know that's God because people just don't give their money away it, oh man are you hearing what I'm saying here's the thing that amazes me the text does not say 
that Jesus told him what to do. It does not say that Jesus told him he needed to do this and he needed to do that and he needed to stop doing this and he needed to stop doing that. Jesus didn't say, don't do that, do this, don't do that, do this. Jesus just fellowshiped with him. And the man got up on his own and said, I need to make some changes in my life. Oh, God, help me in here. And all Jesus did was love him. And the love of God messed him up. Has anybody in here ever been messed up by the love of God? Hallelujah. I didn't change because somebody told me to change. The love of God came and messed me up. Hallelujah. And today I'm a different man because of the love of God. Hallelujah. Oh, God. Mm. He didn't do it because Jesus told him to do it. He did it because he wanted to do it. He realized, watch this, that Jesus came to his house even as he was. None of those religious leaders were going to come to his house. None of them would come close to coming to his house. Because they figured, hallelujah, you don't go to the house of a man that's unclean. And then Jesus said, I'll go. And he does. And then they murmured behind his back. And said, does he even know he's going to spend time in the house of a sinner? You have not loved like Jesus. Until you have first gained the anger of the Pharisees. Somebody is not going to like the way you love people they have yet to learn how to love. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying in here. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. Oh, God. Now, don't get me wrong. I totally understand doctrine. I understand church government. I understand the moral position uh, of the church. And, and all that is founded on a, on, a, on a good foundation. All that is well uh, founded. Hallelujah. And I hear you. And I totally agree. Watch this. But the problem is others can't hear you because you can't force someone. You can't force someone against their will into some behavioral modification in order that they might be included in a group because that's what it takes for God to love you. The devil is a liar. While you were a hot mess, God still loved you. I got it. So watch this. Hallelujah. God help me in here. Hallelujah. Let me give you my second point real quick. My second point very quickly. Hallelujah. Somewhere in the love of God... The Holy Spirit does what you cannot do. I said somewhere in the love of God, somewhere in you letting God love them through you, somewhere in the love of God, the Holy Ghost does what you cannot do. The Holy Spirit of God does what you cannot do. Problem with many of us is we try to be the Holy Ghost. We feel like God's taking too long with this one. So I got to help, I got to help this person along. 
and we, and we try, and we mean well. I'll say that. We mean well because we want to see the person do better. But you don't have that kind of power. Not all of us are on the same level. Don't assume that people are on the same level spiritually that you are on. Don't expect them to be. You weren't always where you are now. He had mercy on you. You have to let Jesus go to their house. Not you. <laughs> I said you have to let Jesus go to their house. And, it, and, and if you're the one that's knocking on the door, you have to make sure that it's the Jesus in you. That's walking in that house and it's the Jesus in you. That's going to do the speaking in that house and it's the Jesus in you. That's going to minister in that house. If he sends you into that house to speak truth, make sure that that truth is being spoken in love. The Bible says speak the truth in love. If you're going to go over there to let them have it, Jesus did not send you. You at their house. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. Ooh, God have mercy. The story of Zacchaeus teaches us that the closer you get to Jesus, listen to me, when Zacchaeus cuts the distance between him and Jesus, when the distance is diminished, he becomes more aware of what he's doing wrong and wants to do what's right. <laughs> becomes the distance between him and Jesus. Listen, I ain't no Pharisee, but I get hints. On your relationship with God by what I see you doing. Because if you are close to Jesus, you are going to want to do what's right. And if you are really close to Jesus, you're going to become more aware of what you're doing wrong. And you're going to want to change on your own volition because of the love of God you have received. Are you blessed, church? He gets around Jesus for a little while, and then he gets up and says, I'm giving half of everything I got. You know, ain't nobody in their right mind doing that unless their mind has been transformed. Took me all this time to get rich. One, is, one experience with Jesus, I'm giving half of it away, and I'm paying everybody I owe fourfold. Wow. That only happens to the person whose life has been impacted by authentic Christianity. That only happens to the life who has been touched by the real thing. Do I got anybody in here who knows what I'm talking about? God can use you to impact somebody's life if you do or become what he told you to become which is salt and light.
Salt and light. I ain't got time to get into it, but they are influencing agents. Everything they come into contact with, they influence. If the food is bland, you go to somebody's house, and you take a bite out of the food, and you're used to having it, you know, a little tastier. <laughs> what do you do? You reach for the salt. Amen, somebody. And immediately the salt influences the taste. Amen? You ever eat anything that's salty? What does it do? It makes you thirsty. When Jesus said you're supposed to be salt, he's saying every time you encounter somebody, they are supposed to leave that encounter thirsty because of your saltiness. Look at somebody real quick and say, I got flavor. Come on, look at somebody real quick and say, I got flavor. It don't matter where you're from, just say it anyway. I got flavor. Yo tengo sabor. Hallelujah. Are you blessed in here, church? And you know that light is a revealer. Look, salt is also a preservative. Uh, a preservative, I'm sorry. A preservative. It preserves. Amen. Yeah. It saves something from dying. It saves something from rotting. It was used as a healing agent. You're supposed to be salt. The only reason the world has not been destroyed is because there's still salt on the earth. It's because the church is here. Don't get it twisted. Hallelujah. It's because the church is here. Light is a revealer. Isn't that something? You could be in a dark room. The minute you turn on the lights, you see everything. Zacchaeus got in the light of God and saw his mess. Like Isaiah, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And the next words out of his mouth was, woe is me, for I am undone. Because when you see God in the light of who is, he is, you begin to see yourself as you are. And you realize you ain't all that. Are you blessed in here? Let me try to wrap this up. Hallelujah. Jesus charges us with some statements that are pretty hard to deal with. Jesus does charge us, though, the believers, with some statements that are pretty hard for us to deal with. Can I give them to you real quick? Real quick. All right, put on. Put the first one up on the board for me. Uh, turn the other cheek. Woo. Somebody insults you. Turn the other cheek. Yeah. You're acting funny because you in church. Hallelujah. That's hard. Amen, somebody? Okay, give me the next one. They get harder, guys. Jesus said, love your enemies. Some of you are having a hard time loving your close loved ones. You're not saying nothing. Some of you had a hard time this Thanksgiving. Y'all ain't saying nothing in here. Love your, and those ain't your enemies. Let me help you. Love your enemies. <laughs> Give me the next one real quick. I'm trying to go fast. Keep on forgiving. Don't just forgive. Keep on forgiving. Matter of fact, the scripture says, Peter got curious. Peter said, all right, hold on a second, Jesus. On one occasion, he said, because you know, I could forgive once. I could forgive maybe twice. 
But how many times am I supposed to forgive somebody? And you know what Jesus said? Seven times 70. I didn't get one amen. Jesus, I'm in trouble. I got it. That's a lot. I didn't get one amen. He says seven times 70. And that's what they refer to as a uh, hyperbole. It means just keep on forgiving. Just keep on forgiving. Oh, God, somebody is going, this is, this is why he had me come this morning. Let me get the next one real quick. If asked to walk a mile, walk two. If asked to walk a mile, walk two. Ooh. Let me get the next one. Oh, boy. If someone offends you, and let me help you in here. Somebody is going to offend you. Jesus said you can be sure of this one thing. Offenses will come. If someone offends you, don't wait for them to make it right. You make it right. That's about seven scriptures in the Bible. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You make it right. Don't wait for them to make I know they offended you. Because you know how we are. I ain't doing nothing until they come to me. They're going to have to come to me. They're going to have to apologize to me. And if they don't apologize to me, I ain't doing nothing. And there you are. Talking about I'll show them. I'll show them. That the whole family is at the Thanksgiving table. Getting ready to have turkey. And you at your house by yourself. Talking about I'll show them. Everybody's eating, having a good time. They're not even thinking about you. You at home, frustrated, upset, by yourself, talking about, I'll show them. You better get your power back. Let it go. Get your power back. Go get you some pavo. Go get you some Thanksgiving turkey. Hallelujah. Get you some ham. Some stuffing. I still got leftovers. If you bless your glory. Let me give you the last one. Pray for those that persecute you. Pray for those that curse you. Woo. What you say? <laughs> Father, I know what they said. Pray for them. Wow. Now, how many of you in here understand that Jesus is the epitome of leadership? He's the epitome of leadership in that, watch this, he, will, he knows just like any good leader. He's the epitome, but just like any good leader is not going to expect or request of you to do anything that they are not willing to do themselves. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So here's what I'm trying, here's what I'm trying to get you to catch. Amen. I know you understand this. Amen. But watch this. I'm trying to, get, I'm trying to provoke your thinking. If Jesus is asking you to do these things, and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, amen, and is living in your heart, you have to understand or come to the grips with the reality that if he's asking me to do it, you see, because if he's asking me to do something he has not done himself and I do it, that would make me better than him. And we know that ain't the truth. So, so we have to come to grips with the reality that if he's asked me to do it, it's because he has already done them himself. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
And you're sitting there going, but when did Jesus turn the cheek? I'll tell you when he turned the cheek on Calvary. I said he turned the cheek on Calvary. On Calvary, he was insulted, spit at. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They put a bag over his head. They hit him constantly and asked him to prophesy, who hit you? And he never retaliated. He could have called a legion of angels down from heaven and could have got off that cross at any time, but he did not. He turned. Somebody insulted him and he did not retaliate. Oh, God, help me. And then he said, do what I did. I know we're not going to get excited, hallelujah, but a couple of amens will do it today. Watch this. Love your enemies. When did he love his enemies? On the cross. The Bible says you ain't going to like this, but you were his enemy. When you were in your sin and in your trespass, hallelujah. The Bible says you were of your father, the devil. I know it don't sound good, but it's what the word of God says, hallelujah. You were not his. And yet he forgave you. In other words, he loved you. The Bible says, watch this, that God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. Woo. When did God forgive 70 times, seven times 70? I'll tell you where, on Calvary. On Calvary. He not only forgave seven times 70, he forgave more than that. He took the sins of the whole world. The Bible said the whole world. For God so loved the whole world the whole world everybody the atheist hallelujah the satanist he died for all of them he shed his blood watch this so that all of them could get the opportunity to repent if they put their trust in him now they would have the choice to receive him and that choice was theirs because they got a free will but he died for everybody oh god he said i will that none perish but they all come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He died for everybody. If, if asked to walk a mile, walk to, when did he do that? He did that on the road to Calvary. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He's not going to ask you to walk with somebody else and then him not walk with you. He did that on the road to Calvary. Check it. The distance was about approximately two miles. Mm. If someone offends you, when? Oh, God, this is it right here. If someone offends you, watch this now. You don't wait for them to make it right. You go and you make it right. The offender has to be the initiator. The offended has to be the initiator. Look, look oh, God. The offended has to be the initiator. Watch this. Listen. When Jesus came, Jesus didn't say, I'll go down there when they get it together. That's not what he said. He said, I ain't, he didn't say, I ain't moving from this chair <laughs> until they get it right. Until they make it right. Why? Because I'm offended. They are offending me with the way they are living. And he could have easily said, I ain't going down there. It's a mess down there. And Jesus is the offended, but he becomes the initiator. And he says, I'm offended, but I'm going down there. And I'm going down there to fix it. 
and I'm going down there to make it right. And somebody in here should take about 15 seconds and give God a real praise for coming down and making it right. For coming down while I was still a mess and I wasn't even looking for him and I was living all any old kind of way. He's still. That's my testimony. I wasn't even looking for him. And he still came looking for me. Oh, I wish I had some real people in here. I wish I had somebody in here that could testify. Hallelujah. And there ain't no place he won't come to get you either. He'll come in that club and get you. He'll come in that bar and get you. He'll start talking to you through the speaker at the club. Hallelujah. Talking to you. Talking about, you know you don't belong here. Do I got anybody in here who knows who I'm talking about? Anybody in here whose testimony is he pulled me out? I didn't pull myself out. He pulled me out of the mess I was in. He pulled me out. If you're blessed, shout glory. glory. When did Jesus do these things? He did them on Calvary. Pray for those that persecute you. The first words of Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them. The very ones that put them there. Father, forgive them. Have you understood the love of God? Because there are people who have done stuff to you and you ain't praying for them. You praying about them. That's a difference. You pray for people and you pray about people. The challenge is to pray for them. Not about them. Because you know how some of us pray, God, you better fix her. You don't fix her, I'll give you three days, God, three days. You don't fix her in three days, I'm going to fix it. That's you praying about somebody. Job's friend came to Job and for seven days they accused Job of sin. Come clean, Job. We've already studied the matter out and our conclusion is this is happening to you because you are messing up. Your kids are messed up, you messed up, all of y'all messed up. So come clean and tell the truth for seven days. And you know what Job did? He prayed for them. And when he prayed for them, he got healed. Oh, God, help me in here. Hallelujah. You want healing? Hallelujah. Pray for those that persecute you, curse you, and say all manner of evil against you. And watch healing break loose. Because praying for people who like you is easy. Because they're blessing you and treating you good and saying nice things about you. Oh, God, just bless this person because they're just so nice. And... Let me give you, oh, I got five minutes. Somebody shout, you could do it. I have to finish. I have to. Watch this. I'm not going to read it for the sake of time. But John 13, uh, verse 1, put it up there. I'll read the first few scriptures because there's something I really need you to see here. I don't want you to think I made this up. Hallelujah. You guys doing all right? Five minutes. Five minutes. And we're out of here. John 13. I need to know there's faith in the room. I need, we need you to mix the word with faith. Mix your faith with mine. Not before the feast of the Passover when Jesus knew that his hour was come. That means that he was getting ready to go to the cross. That he should depart out of this world unto the Father. Having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Wow. And supper being ended, the devil, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. 
Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments. Now, I ain't got time to get into this. It doesn't mean he took all his clothes off. They had about three layers of garment in that day. He took the first two off and he had undergarments on. Took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. The leader is serving. The leader is serving. Real leaders serve. Some people aspire to lead because they want to tell people what to do. Uh-uh. Real leadership serves. The greater the leadership, the more people you Next verse. Is that, uh, then cometh he to Simon Peter. God help me. Simon Peter. And Peter said to him, Lord, you don't wash my feet. Because Simon has it in his head, watch this, that, that it's supposed to be the other way around. And, and it's not that he's, 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 he's wrong or anything. He's thinking to himself, you know, the, the clean, don't wash the unclean. Let the un- it should be the other way around. Let the unclean. Wash the clean. And Jesus looks at him and says, if you don't let me wash you, you don't belong to me. So my third point is simply this. Let Jesus wash you. If Simon were here and he would preach off of this sermon right here, he would call I'm almost sure he would call it, let Jesus wash you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Listen. Because Jesus is the washer. That's my point. Recognize that Jesus is the washer. You don't have the power to wash somebody clean. Jesus is the washer. But if you got Jesus on the inside of you, Jesus can wash through you. God help me. This is why he charged them afterwards to do it to each other. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And he's speaking metaphorically. I ain't got time. I ain't got time. I got to get to the point I want to get to. Here's the thing that got me. I've read this story a ton of times. And I know there's a lot of you in here that have read it a ton of times. But I saw something that maybe you saw, but I didn't see it. But I saw it this time. Amen, somebody. Here's what I saw. He washes all 12 of their feet. Now, why is this interesting? Because one of them in there, you got to understand in context, the whole reason for this illustration at supper is because one of them was going to betray Jesus. And the betrayer is at the dinner table. And watch this. So Jesus gets up. The Bible says that Satan already... Is, has influenced Judas to betray Jesus. Jesus gets up knowing in his foreknowledge, the Bible is clear, he knew who was going to betray him. He knew it. Ooh. And watch this, when he gets to Peter, Peter always trying to mess it up. Always got something to say. He tells Peter, Peter, if you don't let me wash you, you don't belong to me. Just work with me here. I organized this whole illustration for somebody, and it ain't you. Peter, it's not about you. Peter's like, Peter's like, oh, 
Peter's like, okay, he's going to wash my head, wash my hands, wash my whole body. You got to love this guy. Once Jesus said, if you don't let me wash you, you have no part with me. Peter said, then don't just wash my feet. Wash all of me. Jesus looks at him. This is what you got to catch. This is what I saw in the text. Jesus looked at him and said, watch this. Everybody who has, been, has bathed, everybody who has washed is already clean. Stay with me now. Is already clean. We only need to wash their feet. Because in those days, everybody who was going to a special occasion, it was tradition to bathe right before you left to go to the special occasion. Are you with me? And so, watch this. They would bathe, but they walked in sandals. You know, they didn't have the shoes that we have on today. Amen. And they walked in sandals. And so their feet got dirty. Because you can accumulate dirt on the journey. You clean. Jesus saved you. He washed you. But you can still accumulate dirt on the journey. So he said, watch this. Those who have bathed are already clean. And we only have need to wash their feet. But one of you. Oh, you better read this for yourself. One of you is not clean. One of you is not clean. And could you imagine? Because the disciples at this point, in another gospel says that they were all trying to figure out who was going to take over for Jesus. Because you know how it is. Jesus is leaving. Somebody's got to run this show. Is he going to pick you? Is he going to pick you? Is he going to pick me? Is he going to pick? And that's what they were concerned about. And Jesus says, you guys are already clean, except one of you, except one of you. And so you would think, because if, I, if I'm like Peter, I'm thinking to myself, at that moment, I'm thinking to myself, all right, so show us who it is. And I'm watching Jesus now, because I'm assuming that he's not going to wash the feet of the one that is unclean. So, so I, I, if I had time, my, my, uh, it was in my mind to have 12 people come up here. I'm not going to do it for the sake of time. But just picture 12 people up here, right? Picture 12 people up here. Jesus girds himself, starts washing one of their feet, washes the second one, washes the third one. Let's just say Peter's number four and Judas is number eight. Gets to Peter, has this altercation with Peter. And tells Peter, Peter, you are already clean. All of you are clean. Except one. Except one. And the one is here. But then he goes to the fifth one and washes his feet. Goes to the sixth one and washes his feet. Goes to the seventh one and washes his feet. Goes to the eighth one. Judas. The one who Jesus knows in his foreknowledge, is going to betray him. Now, you have to pray for me. Because if I'm him, and I know you're about to sell me out, and you are going to be the reason why I go to the cross and suffer like no one has ever suffered, and I know is you, 
You can act spiritual if you want to. I ain't washing your feet. No. I'm going to do something else. I'm, su- I'm surprised Jesus doesn't rear back. Just rear back and have Peter say, what was that for? You'll know later. You will find out later. Notice what, notice what Jesus tells him. He told Peter this. He told Peter this. What I do right now, you do not understand. Peter, you don't know what I'm doing. But later, and let me tell you, it took Peter a while. I wish I had time. It took Peter a while to understand the love of God. Because watch what he does. He gets to six, to seven, to eight. Eight is Judas, and he washes Judas' feet. And goes to nine, goes to ten, eleven, and twelve. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? The thing that blew me away is that Jesus is serving his greatest enemy at that moment. So you think that you're just supposed to serve those that are washed. But the word of God is telling you today, you don't only serve the clean, you serve the unclean. And you don't treat none of them different. Oh my God. Oh God, have mercy. Jesus is saying, watch me. Watch what I do. Hallelujah. I know he's unclean. I know he don't deserve it. I know he's going to mess up in the future. And I'm still washing his feet. He doesn't treat the one who thinks he's holy any different than he does the one who is unholy and unclean. He washed all of them. Stand to your feet in here. Oh, God. The love of God in him was so massive, he refused to single Judas out, embarrassing him in front of everyone. He could have easily singled him out, easily embarrassed him. He knew who he was. He knew he was going to mess up. And he doesn't do it. What is it about religious people that seek to humiliate and to expose others? He washes everybody's feet so that the one that needs it the most is not singled out and is not put on display. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? So watch this, church. If you're going to receive God's love and you're going to also walk in God's love and then go to another level where you give God's love, you will have to lose your concern for your reputation on how some people view you for loving others. You see, oh God, have mercy in here. Can I testify in here? I used to be concerned with what the spiritually elite would think about me if I embrace somebody that I knew was messing up. 
And it took me a while like Peter to understand the love of God. And let me submit to you in this place that if I embrace somebody that you know is messed up, chances are I know they're messed up. Let me help you in here. Because some people are like, I went past on. If Jesus only knew who he was walking with. If Jesus only knew what manner of woman that was. He would not let her touch him. He knew who she was. He knew who the tax collectors were. He knew who the wine bibbers were. And the Bible says he loved them. Just because I embrace you does not mean that I condone your lifestyle. I might not agree with your lifestyle at all, but I have understood the love of God. Love can change a person. Love can mess somebody up. Hallelujah. Not just me telling you you're messed up, and you need to change, and you need to do this, and you need to do that. You can't do it. You need a love that's overwhelming. You need a love that has healing in its wings. You need that balm in Gilead. Only Jesus can fix a person. And he does it not by exposing them but by embracing them by loving them for love covers even a multitude of sins i know you're messed up but here get up under my wings hallelujah let me cover you let me cover you It took me a while like Peter to get it. But I lost my religion. Oh, y'all not saying nothing in here. Jesus is not religious. Peter on one occasion. This is him now walking with God for a while. Full of the Holy Ghost. Watch this. And he's in a room because God has given him a revelation. Watch this. To eat meat. And the, and the revelation was that the gospel is not just for the Jew now. It's for the Gentile. So Peter's at a table with other disciples and, 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 and sinners. Watch this. And the apostle Paul is there. And, and, and Peter is eating with those that are non-Jews, the Gentiles, who had just come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, some religious men get there. Some leaders of the Sanhedrin, the, the Pharisees, they get there. And do you know what Peter does? Peter gets up from the table where the Gentiles were and he goes and sits with the religious people. And the apostle Paul gets up and says, Peter, you hypocrite. Are you more concerned with what they think about you? You haven't loved like Jesus until you have gained the anger of the Pharisees. Paul got up and said, I don't care what they think. I'm going to love them. 
Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying. I'm going to love them to Jesus. Have you understood the love of God? Give the Lord a praise offering in here. Oh, how he loves us. Somebody ought to praise him right now. Oh.